you've arrived at Earth 919. Hello and welcome to another episode of Earth 919, a comic book podcast for number one reviews and comic book news. I'm your host, Matt. With me, as always, is my co-host and brother, Ian. I am excited to be here this week, Matt. Getting closer to the 100th episode and ready to do some shoutouts. Closing in on 100. So, Ian, shout out away. All right. So, I only got one shout out this week. Uh, this is a shout out to Comics The Gathering, which is a comic book shop in Spanaway, Washington, the home of Earth 919's comic book box. Check them out. Tell the owners, Matt and Jesse, we sent you. You can follow them on Instagram and Twitter at Comics The Gathering. That's spelled C O M I K S The Gathering. Or you can hit them up on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Comics The Gathering. Remember, come for the comics, stay for the games. That's all I got, Matt. And we have got some news here, and we've got two comics this week we're going to be covering. We're going to be talking about Heroes in Crisis number one and Stranger Things number one. So look forward to that. But before we get into those, let's talk some news. Uh, Ian, Ralph Fiennes has is rumored to be the star of a Kingsman prequel that I was not aware of um, that will be set in World War II uh, and his character and Harry Dickinson who's also from Darkest Minds who is also rumored or has been hired for this movie this prequel uh, will be set up in the Kingsman 3 movie which are currently being or will be shot back to back did you you haven't seen the first Kingsman as we established, or you saw the first Kingsman as we established? You did not finish. You did not see the second one in full. That's correct. I have not seen the second one. I'm a little surprised that they're going this hardcore into Kingsman. The new pre, especially sorry, go ahead. Especially no, especially given how two was received. I mean, critically, um, the new title is supposed to be Kingsman: The Great Game. Is what the prequel is supposed to be. Yeah. As much as this, I don't know, this is news, I, I think Ralph has a good record with films. I was looking at some of the films that he used to do that he's done in the past. So he has a good track record, but I just, I, I feel like this is going to be Kingsman overload. Why do we need so much Kingsman? Mm-hmm. This is kind of falling in trap with like Taken. It would be something that I would akin this to Taken was, Taken 1 was really good and then they just kind of played out that same idea over and over again. I don't know. This is a more unique idea, so maybe there's more that they can do with this. But I just I feel like it's overload, man. I'm not excited for this. I'm not. Maybe I'll see it after seeing the second one, but I don't know. Uh, you got what else? What else do you think on this one? Yeah, Ralph finds is he's great. I mean, he's good in almost everything he's in. I mean, did you see the Grand Budapest Hotel? I have. Yeah. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's got a lot of range, and then obviously he's done. You know things like Schindler's List and things like that. But he, he's been great. I just wonder, wouldn't that be cool if this was like a prequel or a tie-in or like a backdoor prequel to um, Fantastic Beasts? Like this is Lord Voldemort, like how he becomes Lord Voldemort. Mm-hmm. They both take place at the same place. Yeah, it could be. Maybe they're attached for all we know. I'm I'm more interested to see the tech in this um, the tech is always in in the the Kingsman proper is very like futuristic, but obviously this is going to jump back to the you know the 1910s. So tens. So um, hopefully we'll see some I don't know not like steampunky, but like you know just 
just older older kind of tech that does some of the same things that's what i'm looking forward to the aesthetic is what i'm looking forward to so um okay so moving on uh let's get away from kingsman let's talk some birds of prey so it's a movie that's happening we can't control that but uh there is hope that it might not be as um i don't know how you say how do you say um non-intriguing because Mary Elizabeth Winstead has been cast as a huntress and Journey Smollett-Bell has been cast as Black Canary. So this is exciting. I'm a big fan of Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Uh, you know her from 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, I believe she was in Sky High, which is a good super Disney superhero movie. I don't know if you remember that one, Ian. I do remember Sky High, actually. It's not a bad movie. It's yeah, right. so and uh, I, they're going to be joining Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie, uh, as they face off against, uh, I think it's Black Mask is rumored to be the villain. We talked about that a few weeks ago. So what do you think about this, Ian? Does this make you, does it make you more excited for this movie, but does it, does it seem bearable now? So, uh, we, you're not going to expect what is about to come out of my mouth right now, but it's about to come out of my mouth. So not too familiar with either of these actors or really the characters for that matter. And I got to thinking about it the other day. And realizing, much like a character like Miles Morales, how much fun it was to discover him when I first did and learning about all the different things about him. So, I'm actually flipping my opinion on this one. I'm excited for this movie. I want to see new characters that I haven't seen before be put on a screen and, you know, I want something different other than Batman and Superman. And I think this is going to be kind of a perfect segue into that. I don't know anything about these characters, though. So, anybody out there, anybody who's listening, if you can hear the sound of my voice, please, I would love some comic suggestions to these two characters. Send them to earth919comicpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear them. I'd love to read it. So, I don't have too much on this news, other than I'm excited for it. But, do you have anything else you want to add? Yeah, so, the Huntress is, um, she. she's a mafia princess whose parents are killed she's got a very similar background to, to batman, to batman. Right? right yeah and she goes to vigilantism in the cw tv show the original like well back when it was the wb um she was the daughter of batman and catwoman and she was like a metahuman and it was a whole thing um and then black canary she is a metahuman and she has the canary cry which she does that's like a piercing sonic yell that she does and she's also like a very accomplished uh, hand-to-hand fighter as well i think it's cool to see these two characters who we've only really seen them briefly on the well not briefly because black canary is all over the uh arrowverse and so has been huntress i don't know i'm excited to see these two characters i just wish i don't see what the point is of adding harley quinn more than just be like hey don't forget margot robbie and I think this movie would be just fine with just the two of them without Harley Quinn. But well, they I imagine the studio pays Margot Robbie quite a bit, so they got to justify her salary. And she's very yeah, marketable, and good Harley point. Quinn's a marketable character. So, yeah, it is kind of a weird fit to throw that in with those two, though. I wonder if she'll have a little bit of, like, that element to her where she's on the bat, she's, she's siding with the bad guy for a while, and then she kind of flips to the other side, you know, because she kind of does have that thing to her oh so, so. the exact same plot of suicide squad yeah prob- probably essentially um but i guess well, we'll talk more harley of... quinn later but uh go ahead sorry matt 
Now, speaking of uh, Margot Robbie and her Harley Quinn, her mm. co-star, uh, who wonderfully portrayed the Joker, Jared Leto, uh, his Morbius the Living Vampire is is now announced by Avier Ridd and uh, Tom Malick. Or Matt, <laughs> wow, read that wrong. Matt Talmach. Um, they've announced that uh, they've said in interviews that that is the next movie that Marvel Sony will be working on after Venom. So, I, you know, Ian, there's not much to say because it's so early. I just wanted to read you this quote from the story that I read, and I think it pretty much sums up my feelings about this. Um, Matt Talmach and Avia Ridd are also discussing how excited they are to work with Jared Leto on Morbius the Living Vampire. Talmach says he expects awesomeness from Leto and teases that he will be bringing some of his method acting that he famously used while filming Suicide Squad as the Joker, noting the Academy Award-winning actor is bringing a similar level of intensity and charisma and devotion to the character. So, so <laughs> you think we're going to get a, a gangster uh, vampire? No, 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 no. I, I, his craziness, as documented by his cast members, which he mm-hmm. now denies that some of that even happened, uh, where he's sending them used condoms and dead rats and bullets and da-da-da-da-da. Well, just look forward to him actually sucking the blood of people, only being awake during the day or at night, and pigmenting his skin completely white, a la Michael Jackson, so that he fully prepares for the role. I just, this is, why, why would anybody be excited about anything that he did from Suicide? Only Aviar Ridd, who is like, uh, he he has the most bizarre idea of what's good. Yeah, I, um, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I'm not excited based on Jared Leto's acting. He He doesn't excite me. Uh, obviously Suicide Squad was a big letdown for us at the show here. We both, I think, are in agreement that it was a letdown. But, I don't know, man. I, I'm somewhat holding out hope on this universe based on how Venom does. But in my heart, I, I actually think it's it's not going to do very well. I was talking to the guys at Superior Spider-Man podcast this week. They thought I was defending uh, the Venom movie, which is coming out. I wasn't. I just... I want to see Carnage, and I would love to see anything that's... If it's successful, and because Sony's successful, and they bring Venom into the MCU, great. If they need to fail, and in order for it to fail, that's how Venom comes into the MCU, that's great too. Whatever works, whatever gets us there. And Sony seems to be really, really, really determined to give us this movie universe that I don't know if there's even 10 people that want it. Talon is one. We know Talon, friend of the show Talon, lover of Venom. He's one person, but name me nine other people who want this movie universe because I'm not excited for Morbius. He's such a weird character, man. Like, what a weird character to give a movie. No. uh, It's just... I don't don't understand what, what the appeal is here. I don't understand... One, I don't understand what the appeal is of trying to build a vehicle around an unknown character just because that's a character that they have the rights to like there's not i mean i guess i could see you know you never count anybody out if there's a good enough story but it just everything that sony does screams of what fox does which is or did which is we have these characters and we just need to build a movie around them like because we need to put something out and i just i thought sony had maybe realized that 
they don't need to do that because if they just work with Marvel, their movies can be pretty good. But I just I don't understand it. I don't get it. And uh, yeah, I I just wish I I wish that they would realize that too. But anyway, so let's start um, a let's start a tracker and let's start and let's start a poll on this question because I am curious. Are you the poll question will be Are you excited for the Sony universe that's coming, whether we like it or not? The other thing I want to gauge is, Matt, what is your level of excitement for the Sony universe right now? One to ten. Give me a number. Can't give me zero. Negative (laughs) twenty. I have like no excitement. One then. Okay. I I I'm I I don't know even I'm not even excited for this Venom movie. I mean, I know you just went through your whole thing, but I, I just I'm not excited for it. I don't care. And I. I don't care. I don't I don't want to see a bunch of side characters. Side characters are side characters because they're side characters and they're more interesting when they're supporting characters, not when you take any sup, any character that you have the rights to and slap them on a movie screen. And even then they have to be done well. Like this Silver and Black, like this Black Cat and Silver Sable movie. Like great, make more female-led movies, but don't don't just do something just because that's what you have the rights to. But I feel like I've already beaten this horse way dead. I'm at a two because of Carnage. That's why I give it one more point than Matt does. That's all I have. We can move on now. Okay. Well, let's talk. We've got a Dark Phoenix trailer. This is the first trailer for the fourth X-Men movie in the X-Men rebooted, kind of not really, kind of resetted universe. A lot to unpack here, Ian. So I've just got some kind of the hits as we go. uh, Please go ahead. Chime in. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. uh, We got a young Gene in a car accident. Mm. And I think what we're led to believe, which is a comic book storyline, I don't remember specifically which one, but it's mostly that Charles saw the potential power that she had when she came to him as a young girl. And blocked her ability to access most of that power and that in turn caused some serious problems because you know just just shutting something off just because you don't like it is not very good but that has always been kind of how charles operates in the comic books uh and then we've got uh gene goes to magneto she's searching for help um and ian chime in if you've got anything i got okay you ready here i'm ready okay keep going i'm ready to chime in wow okay Okay, keep going matt uh we got new x-men costumes what uh those are actually pretty cool they're all uh, the new x-men from the grant morrison frank quietly run Mm -hmm. uh we got some space Mm. flying into space and uh gene gray turning evil Whoa! So, I don't know what overall. What do you think of the trailer, Ian? That's those were literally the reactions I wrote down as I was watching the trailer. Whoa! Oh no way! I I have no interest in this movie in in this universe anymore. Why? Are, why? I I understand why they need to give it to us because people have jobs, and those, their job is to make this movie and create the studio and keep the studio afloat until this deal is finalized. I understand that. I totally get that. I just don't understand why I need to be excited for it. I, I'm not excited for this movie. It just it looks it looks lazy too. It doesn't look like it's well put together. Um, 
I, I, I've never really... I know that the Dark Phoenix storyline is really popular throughout comics, and a lot of people really enjoy it. But I feel like we've just gotten so many stories with this X-Men team, and even the new rebooted team, that they don't really flow together. It's not like a timeline, you know? The Marvel Universe, the MCU, there's a timeline. Things happen. People, characters grow, characters leave and come and go and and it's it's different whereas this one it's just like oh here's another story here's another story here's another story and i don't really enjoy that so i'm not really excited for this movie and i mean i'll watch it but yeah i, I don't know nightcrawler is in it right he was in the previews right that looked yeah. cool that's one thing element that i'd be excited to see on screen because i really loved him in x2 but um x2 yeah. or apocalypse he's in both i know he's in apocalypse too he was not very good in apocalypse and i was actually doing my best to avoid using that word uh but no x2 that that opening scene in x2 is one of the best in in all x-men it is really good it still holds up very well yeah it's awesome they um yeah this looks really good it's just but it's kind of got i mean this might be me because i have been getting more aware of this lately but it's got all the trailer tropes the slow motion explosions with the with the uh, this redo of classical songs that are sad and symphonic and there's it's just this like these like boom moments with characters saying something heavy and then oh my gosh cut to gene doing something crazy it's just it's all kind of tired for me so it's kind of hard to base anything off a trailer I did you get a sense other than obviously the ending of Apocalypse that Gene was like even slightly evil? I felt like they really, really, really forced that character element too. The throughout the all all of all of the movies that we had, even the original X Men one, two, and three, were led to believe that Gene is more of a compassionate character and more mm-hmm. along the lines of I I don't want to say this word because it's gonna sound bad, but it, it's kind of like a like a aura, like a demigod type thing, you know, that she has going on. I don't want to say Jesus, but something like that. You know, she dies, she comes back. Um, and and then all of a sudden in this trailer, it's like she's evil. That really threw me off. It was it was weird. I felt if, It just feels forced, you know? And that's why I say it seems like they're just trying to give us stories rather than give us, like, a timeline that they want us to follow. It's just here's another comic book storyline. Oh, you want House of M? We'll give you that next, you know? It's just It's just lazy. Yeah, I wish they would give us something that we haven't seen already. Because, like, First Class was really good. That was a cool, like, coming together of the X-Men. Days of Future Past was awesome because we hadn't seen that storyline on film. And now it's like, well, let's do Dark Phoenix. Well, we already we already covered that, and it was terrible the first time. And this guy, Simon Kinberg, the writer and director and producer of this movie, should know that because he was the writer on that movie. Like, I don't understand why they... I wish we would break new ground, and I think that this trailer really only shows the first, maybe third of the movie, because there's a whole space element that we haven't seen yet, and we, you know, we haven't seen the scroll. There's scrolls in this movie. There's the Shi'ar Empire in this That's movie. That's a good point. Yep. Um, there's the Guardians in this movie. I mean, there's a whole not Guardians of the Galaxy, the Guardians, like the Shi'ar Guardians, I think is what they're called. There's the dude who whose strength is. Like, he could be infinitely strong. It just depends on how confident he is in his own strength. Like, there's a whole, like, crazy world of different things out there. Um, 
So I think that there's a lot more to this. I just hope one, this movie isn't overstuffed, which is what I'm the impression I'm getting now. And then, because why are the scrolls there? I the Shi'ar, I get it, because I mean they did it very well in the comic book or in the comic books and in the uh, animated series. But I just I I worry that there's just too much going on. But it looks good, so there's that. It's just really weird to go from like a Deadpool and then go to this. I just I don't know, man. These, these characters aren't interesting, and they haven't been interesting for a couple movies now. And I, I don't see this storyline being something that's going to interest me. So, I'm, yeah, and I, I just, wonder what they're what are they going to do? You know, in like a two year in a year when they're out all at Marvel. You know, I know, I know, and Marvel's you're just wasting these, use the these same actors, characters you know? again. Yeah, yeah I know because the actors in and of themselves are not bad. Their performances have been questionable in, right. especially in Apocalypse. Sophie Turner was, I in my opinion, not very good at all. <coughs> Jennifer Lawrence, but <coughs> Jennifer Lawrence uh, phoning it in. Yeah, but I yeah, it's like well, we're gonna have to see these characters rebooted in a couple years, anyways. But I just want to go through real quick. So Simon Kinberg is the writer director of this movie. Uh, this is his directorial debut, but I wanted to touch on this because this guy, I really don't have a clue if this guy's good or not. So for th- these are his credits in the like the Marvel universe. So he wrote X-Men The Last Stand. He was a producer on X-Men First Class. So really bad, pretty good. good. He was the producer and writer on X-Men Days of Future Past. Good movie. Okay. But then he was the writer and producer on Fantastic Four Stick. Ooh, the new one? Yes. Ooh. Then he was the writer-producer on X-Men Apocalypse. Ooh. Now he's the producer, director, and writer of Dark Phoenix, but this year, or, yeah, this year, he was the producer on Deadpool 2. So, okay. is this guy going to hit or is he going to miss? I have no clue. He needs to send us a message and let us know exactly what parts of those movies he wrote <laughs> so I can rewatch those scenes and see if they hold up at all. That's what needs to happen. Uh, <laughs> see, because you can't, like, I can't nail it down. Is he a bad writer? Well, yeah. he wrote X-Men Days of Future Past, and but he also wrote Last Stand. Is he a bad producer? Well, he produced Days of Future Past and First Class, but he also did Apocalypse and Fantastic Four. So it's like, where, uh, this guy's like, this guy's slippery, man. I don't know if we're going to be able to pin him down. It's going to be an interesting movie then. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we we shall see on February 14th. Because get your, there's nothing screams romance like having to mm. kill your loved one because she's gone psychopathic with a cosmic entity and a whole army has to take her down. Nothing screams love like that. Um, yeah, X-Men, woo! Yep, X-Men. <laughs> Hooray! Uh, let's get into some comics. Thank so let's God. start off with Stranger Things number one. This is by Dark Horse Comics, written by Jody Hauser, art by Stefano Martino, ink by Keith Champagne, Laura, colors by Lauren Affey, letters by Nick Picos. Follow Will Byers into the dimension of decay and destruction where he must use his wits and resolve to dodge the pursuit of the Demogorgon and escape the Upside Down. Also should be mentioned that this story takes place during season one of Stranger Things, the Netflix show, if you're not familiar with it. So, Ian, why don't you start this one off? Okay, so starting this one out, 
This is a book that is, it's okay. Um, I felt like the story was unique because it has a weird element to it. It's like a story within a story that's already been told. So that made it a little more interesting. And I wanted to be see how Jody was going to write this character and these events that the character is going through and make it seem more, um, I guess, unknown. Because, spoiler alert, if you've seen season one of Stranger Things, you already know what happens to Will Byers. So this may not necessarily be as exciting of a book as it could be, but I actually really enjoyed it a lot. I like the way that she did it. Um, it's kind of more like a monologue. Is that the right word? Where characters talking to themselves throughout the whole book. But um, I've thought it fit well in the story. I wasn't a huge fan of the art. A lot of pencils. And I felt like they made Will Byers look Asian at a couple <laughs> points. So that was kind of weird. But uh, that was my overall thoughts. That's in the upside down. <laughs> he just, you turn races. Um, <laughs> what do you think, Matt? Nationality nationality changes um yeah so i th- this is uh kind of a story that i just really was wondering why it needed to be told um it does fill in a few gaps i mean and i understand that and there is the desire to go back uh to see because we really if you watch the show if you're familiar familiar with what's going on you never really know we just see will at the very beginning and then we see him at the very end and you know the last thing we see is him in the shed and he's loading the gun and then the light flickers out and he's gone and it was pretty interesting to see because it's like well will is theoretically in the upside down for like a week i think or maybe it's like three or four days but it's like how did he survive that long when everybody else who encountered the demogorgon immediately is like mauled and dead and it does a good thing of showing it. Okay, he ha- he actually did end up loading the gun, and he flashed into the the upside down, but he shot the monster, and the monster ran away. Uh, but ultimately, it was just kind of why this. It, it's not really compelling book, and I think it's mostly just because it's there's really not much to it, and we kind of already know the A and Z. It's just going to fill in just a couple filler issues of well this and this and this happened he's not going to have very many many crazy adventures i mean they've already established there's no power there's no nothing i just i don't really see the need for this um and then it's also kind of distracting and how will is literally narrating every single thing that he's doing and there is really no show in this book there's just a whole lot of tell and they probably could have cut out all of this stuff, all of his, di- or a majority of the dialogue, and it still would have made sense. So I don't understand why, well, mom must be at work, and, and the light's not working. And, like, these are things that you can just show. And they did show them, but then they also told you them, which was, I I didn't understand the need for. Uh, well, I, do you have any f- I, I just, I, I think that, like, with Stranger Things, it's weird because we have, like, we have the first season. We had the second season, and I would argue throughout the first two seasons, they haven't really done, it's maybe not a great job, but they've done a a good job at giving us information, but also not telling us anything when it comes to the upside down. Mm -hmm. We still don't really know much about what happened. We learned a little bit more about Eleven this last season of Stranger Things, and I feel like because of that, it maybe gives the the artist, excuse me, the writer a little bit more freedom to do whatever she wants to do. 
Um, and for all we know, I don't know if this is a limited series or not. I think it is. Yeah. You know, and maybe at some point throughout the limited series, it's revealed why Will has such a connection to this upside down. Because throughout the first two seasons, we don't really, it, it's not never really explained why. So this could be kind of a cool, interesting way to explain that. I think it's, I think the part of the book that's really approachable is that it's just an easy story to pick up if you've seen season one of stranger things you're not going to be confused with this book but i will agree with you matt there's not a lot of substance in the book and it feels kind of empty which is disappointing because stranger things is is usually such an engaging thing it's almost like this book anticipates you're going to pick up the next issue i don't know if you felt the same way well i mean every everybody's hoping you're going to pick up the next issue but it's just but there there was no hook you know like there was no hook that makes you want to pick up that next issue well, it's just that's, information that, that's we've what I'm, seen already that's yeah. what i'm saying is we know right. a and z like how much can we delve into this and sometimes you know you can do a lot with this little like timeline of all these things like rogue one is a perfect example you know we knew a and z of that story but what we didn't know was all the things that happened in between. And they made this, they fleshed out this huge story in that. And it was compelling, you know, cause you, you new characters, new things that were going on that we had no, we were not privy to at all. And this, it's like, well, how exciting is it going to be to watch Will just like, he's going to, going to make contact with his mom, like at some point in the story, or she's going to think he is, she's going to do the ax thing in the wall. And then, Will's going to get caught by the Demogorgon and just be, like, laid up with a thing in his mouth. Like, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's not really much there to it. And it's just, I I thought that this could have been more of a an opportunity to maybe branch out, since it's not an area that we're familiar with, but it's more of a just kind of stick straight to the, to the script. And uh, that kind of also fell along for me. I mean, just I'm wrap it up here, but uh, that also fell along with the art to me. It was it was pretty non offensive, but I thought that it could have been I could have would have should have, but I thought the opportunity was there to make it a little more dark, a little more ethereal, maybe a little more like uh, ghostly. But it was just like yeah, here's a here's a blue hue on everything, and there's some demogorgon jizz all over the walls or whatever, and it's just like I don't know they they could have they could have took a swing and they bunted. Yeah, this the art the art to me was very I agree with you, man. It it just there wasn't there was no details really in it. I, I would have thought that maybe because the artist has this free range to kind of draw the upside down, maybe we could have seen cooler creatures. You know how Will at the season two sees the like spider thing, you know, the giant yeah, like you yeah, know, yeah. they could have drawn stuff like that that would have been like, Whoa, holy shit and it's just they you're right, they took a bunt, so and yeah, maybe I, maybe they will. Maybe they'll go into into the next few issues and some of that will be there but a little bit of tease would have been nice though you know yeah yeah instead of here's the exact story that you kind of thought you already knew based off of the implications of the story uh anyways i'm gonna say this is not good for new readers unless you're familiar with stranger things if you're familiar with stranger things you're looking to read more about it i guess then yeah it's fine oh and another thing too is none of the characters none of the kids in the book seemed at all like their characters from the show like nobody had the personality like Mike or Dustin or anybody. I read them all in their voice, like as I was reading it, but they just no, nobody was really like hat was really fleshed out. Anyways, yeah, they were only there for two panels, but I totally get it. Yeah, um, you ready to move on, Matt? Yeah, let's go on to Heroes in Crisis number one. 
This is a DC comic written by Tom King, art by Clay Mann, colors by Tamor Mori, and letters by Clayton Cowles. Synopsis is, how does a superhero handle PTSD? Welcome to Sanctuary, an ultra-secret hospital for superheroes who have been tra traumatized by crime fighting and cosmic combat. But something goes inexplicably wrong when many patients wind up dead, with two well-known operators as the prime suspect, Harley Quinn and Booster Gold. It's up to the tr DC Trinity of Super Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman to investigate, but can they get the job done in the face of overwhelming opposition? This was a very interesting book, in my opinion. Uh, I, this reminded me a lot of, and I, I'm, I actually doubt that you have, Ian, but maybe uh, on the off chance, have you ever read Infinity or Identity Crisis? I haven't read Identity Crisis, but I have heard of it. Uh, it's what they come out around 2007, right? Yeah, somewhere around there. Okay. Yeah, so that's the story of Sue Dibney, Ralph Dibney, elongated man's wife, being murdered, and it's it's a crime story basically, and this reminded me a lot of that. In that it takes, you know, the the Trinity, the Justice League Trinity, and forces them to deal with something on a very small scale versus something cosmic like Mongol or Darkseid or whatever coming down to fight them. Um, but overall, this is a really well-constructed book. And we just talked about um, a hook, you know, for Stranger Things. Well, this book has a great hook. Uh, there's some massive deaths that we could talk about in a second. Uh, but all in all, I uh, really enjoy this book for what it is and what it's setting up. Um, and it doesn't really waste any time. It doesn't pull any punches either. I mean, we've got some, some pretty, well, I, I mean, I guess we could talk about deaths and then you can go into your thoughts, Ian. Yeah, this is, uh, this is going to be an interesting one for us to review. And I really want us to try and have a really good back and forth on this one. Because most of your initial thoughts, I felt the polar opposite on this book. So I, I want to take this as an opportunity to kind of like understand your point of view a little bit more. Sure. Um, I, man, I did not like this book. I, I felt like the book, as we mentioned earlier with the last book, it assumes that you're going to pick up every single issue and read the entire series. I wanted something to hook me with book one. And I just, I felt like I didn't really get that. We didn't get much in terms of better understanding the different elements of the book due to kind of what I felt was confusing narration. There's points where we see scenes of Harley Quinn and Booster Gold talking to each other at a diner. And then it's panning back to other characters from the sanctuary kind of giving an interview, which I thought was weird and took away from the story a little bit. And then mid-scenes, it's cutting to Batman and Superman interviewing and, and investigating. And I just felt like it was kind of all over the place in terms of where it was going. And it just felt hollow to me. There wasn't a lot of stuff there. It's just characters are, you know, there's stuff happening. And I don't know, I, I just didn't really get much. And I felt like the dialogue between Booster Gold and Harley was, like, forced and really lazy and... I don't know. Um, so those were my thoughts, and I wanted to kind of hear what you thought about kind of what I thought, because I I wanted to know why you why you liked it so much, because it just there, I just didn't feel like there was much there, you know. Yeah. Well, you're wrong. Podcast over. <laughs> uh, no, I I actually thought that there was a lot of the nonlinear story storytelling uh, worked really well for this book because it's giving you bits breadcrumbs, right? And so you were talking about. The hook you were talking about what you know they they expect you to read i think every book 
hopes that you're going to pick up the next issue and the hook is there especially in the first issue that's why i like covering number one issues is because what's the hook what's going to pull they need to give you something tantalizing enough to come back to issue two and then issue two three four five whatever that you know they don't have to have that big of a hook because you're invested in the story Mm -hmm. and i thought that the by them jumping between these storylines so you're getting this you know something happened at this place and you're simultaneously seeing Booster Gold and Harley Quinn. And they're both sitting at a diner. They're having pie and they're kind of hanging out. And then Harley Quinn kind of flips and she starts attacking Booster. And you see they're both like just trying to fight off each other. And it keeps cutting back to Batman and Superman. It's like, well, what what happened here? What, why is Booster here? And why are Batman and Superman flying over to this place? And we see, you know, this carnage that happened at this place that was supposed to be a sanctuary for all these people, you know, no pun intended, um, for these people who are suffering through mental illness or not mental illness, but um, emotional, emotional and mental trauma. And they, I just think that the kind of the unfolding, because if it was just like, you see, there would be no hook if it was like, here's what happened that day that Booster and, or that time when Booster and Harley were there. And this is exactly what happened. And now, Superman finds out and now they're here they have to unfold it and tell it kind of out of order in order for it to be captivating for you and I think that the I mean I want to talk for a second about the art was phenomenal especially in the confessional thing which is the craziest thing in the world in a superhero comic book that these confessionals with you you interspersed through all this stuff you have it's cutting to these heroes and they're being interviewed um, by for now let's just say a therapist and there's, you know, they're kind of talking about who they are, what they've done, some of the thing, you know, some of the reasons why they're there. And the emotion that these characters are showing off, especially in hot shots, um, as he's kind of, you could see he's kind of like thinking back to using his phrase and, you know, all the, like, it, there's just so much emotion in these confessional scenes. There's so much going on with just a character sitting against a background which is crazy for a comic book. And uh, I think Clay, Clay Mann deserves a lot of credit for his ability to make those those moments interesting. Um, but what I was going to say was, uh, yeah, overall, I, I, I think that it just comes down to uh, preference and storytelling. Hmm. And, you know, that may just not be your cup of tea, and that's fine. I And th- this type of the nonlinear, it really is a fine line because it can get really, really jumbled. And we've seen that with a lot of number ones where they try to do this um, with not well-established characters and the story, the landing doesn't stick very well. And I think the landing gets stuck very well on this one, especially with the reveal that Booster remembers Harley massacring everybody at the, at the sanctuary and Harley remembers Booster doing it. And then it cuts to the reveal that they're not talking to a therapist. They're talking to a supercomputer, which from reading is this supercomputer that is comprised of the will of Batman, the honor of Superman and the goodness of Wonder Woman or the sense of justice or something like that. Um, so I think it's probably safe to say that the computer had something to do with it. Would you agree? All right. So 
you threw a lot at me there. You threw a lot at me. I'm going to try and wind it back, hit as much as I can. So basically, I think what it came down to was the manner in which they told the story is really the differences between why you liked it and why I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I'm not as familiar with these characters. So, well, Booster Gold, I mean, I know who he is, but I'm not overtly familiar with who they are. But um, it's going to be interesting for me to kind of like, I don't know, experience this book because I wanted to like it, but I, I just couldn't. I couldn't I couldn't get behind the characters. I couldn't get behind the story. And I don't know, something about killing superheroes to me bothers me. And it's not that maybe I have this sense of that they're these great people. I just feel like it'd be hard to kill them, uh, especially as somebody like Harley Quinn, you know. So I don't, I don't know. I just there was elements of the book that just they fell flat. And I don't know. I didn't feel like I was alone. There was a lot of people that I saw on Twitter that had similar gripes about the book due to some of the characters that fell by the wayside. And uh, if you want to you and I, we can maybe talk about that a little bit more. But I just I'm not a fan of that being the way that you sell a comic book is through shock value. And I just don't support that. So, see, I didn't. I, but I didn't think that it was centered around shock value. I think that there's a mystery that's being told and that's part of it. But I feel like it's really there's a line that Batman says, which I this is the line. that was just like Tom King is such a good writer. Um it's a line that Batman says right towards the end, just before it goes to Booster's um, final confession. He says, our hope for redemption is now just another hunt for vengeance. And it kind of, it's a little bit meta for Batman to say that in that the cyclical nature of all, every time the heroes try to do something good, like to, like genuinely something good outside of punching a bad guy, it always ends up becoming a story plot. And I, that makes me think that there's probably more going on than it's not just going to be these murders for shock value. Um, and I don't, I, I honestly don't think that they're, they're just to like kind of, Whoa, it's not like Iron Man in civil war two, you know, where they are like, Hey, guess what? Iron Man's dead. Uh, but there were a lot of significant deaths too. And if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about the ones that I did. So Wally West, Roy Harper, hotshot. And I don't remember his real name. Uh, Blue Jay, and there were a few others, but that was the those are the ones that I caught. And then um, Molly never had a confessional, did he, Ian? No, uh, I don't. I don't think so. Hmm. I don't. I honestly, um, the the main ones that I remember was was it Wally West? Is that the Wally one? West? Yeah, the Flash. Yeah, Passed yeah. Away. Well, and um, Roy, um, Arsenal. Yeah, I uh, like like I mentioned earlier. I'm not. I'm just not too familiar with these DC characters. This. Not that I don't want to be, I just, you know, there's a lot of them, but... Yeah, yeah, it's a lot to get into. This book, they, uh, I think what a lot of people didn't enjoy was mainly that in Rebirth, when Rebirth came out, there was a lot of promises that DC Comics was going to get away from the doom and gloom comics and get into a little more optimism with their characters, and I know a lot of people online were saying that they felt like this was a step back towards pre-rebirth of doom and gloom characters so that's what a lot of people online were saying was their gripe about it i i didn't necessarily share that same opinion a good story is a good story whether it's doomy and gloomy or whether it's well my question happy and ecstatic you know it doesn't you know i just don't know how you have a happy story and have it be always engaging 24 hours you know yeah my question is my question is what do you expect so you just don't want any sadness in your comic books anymore like i mean i understand like the 
a, I mean, it, but it, it's it's funny to me that like DC would be the ones that are where people would be like, oh, I thought you're getting away from this. Like Marvel's the one that like murders people willy nilly with the intention of bringing them back every 10 seconds. You know, I don't, that's what I don't understand. Like DC is not the primary like criminal here. And I'm not standing up here trying to be a DC defender or anything. I mean, I like DC, but I, I, I frankly don't read their books on a month to month basis or a lot of them. Um, what are, what are some of the other things that people are saying? Or is that it? You know, is that, it? That, that that's pretty much it. And uh, I get what they're saying because I read Wonder Woman Rebirth. And I've actually read Batman Rebirth as well. So I have yeah, experiences with two characters. And um, it is more optimistic. You know, I, I understand kind of what they're getting at. In Batman Rebirth, he's, you know, it's more so focused on Catwoman and mm-hmm. Batman's relationship. So they're trying to give him more of like a positive thing going in his life, which is different. And Wonder Woman Rebirth, it's kind of more finding herself and her and um, I think her name is Cheetah. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, kind of like they're coming together and in, in a way they used to be like arch rivals, but they kind of like. So anyway, it's like a o- positive story. So I get that. And I don't know, man. I, I understand why people are upset. I get it. And maybe that frustration isn't necessarily just focused at DC. Maybe it's focused at DC and Marvel for kind of going into that lazy trope of killing their characters. But we'll see, man. It's supposed to be, I think, nine issues. And nine issues is a long way to go with the story. So we'll see how they do towards the end. But I I just, I felt like it would be hard for somebody who is not too familiar with what's going on in the DC universe to pick up this book and enjoy it. So I wouldn't say that if you're a new reader, I don't, I don't think this might be a book you want to stay away from. It's a little heavy, but if you're familiar with DC comics, this is the book for you. Yeah. I, I, I would say that you probably don't even need to have a super detailed DC database of knowledge to understand what's going on. I think it's pretty easy to want to pick this one up as long as you probably want to have some familiarity with, uh, Harley Quinn and, just, I mean, just know who she is. You know, you don't need to know her whole backstory. And the same with Booster Gold. But other than that, I think you're probably fine if you just follow, you know, you know Batman, Superman, and you understand that they're trying to do something good, then you leave it there. But, you know, I, I understand, too, that I am i didn't grow up. I, I've never been a DC guy, and I'll always be the first to admit that DC has always been harder books for me to get into. Uh, some of their larger stories or wide crossovers, those have been more my uh interaction with dc in the past so i'm not when i see wally west dead on the ground it's not like oh my god they killed wally west like whereas if they killed like miles morales or something or i like struggling to think of a marvel character don't you dare say that i'm struggling to think of like even a marvel character i even care about anymore like i guess no clint barton's died (laughs) every single marvel character miles died But I don't have that same like emotional attachment. Not that I right. Apparently, I even have that much for Marvel characters. But, anyways, it's uh, I'm gonna say that this is uh, mostly new reader friendly. Um, so Ian, every week we take the books that we have reviewed and we make our pick of the week. So Ian, what is your pick of the week? My pick of the week this week would have to be, man. Um, <laughs> I'm probably going Stranger Things, honestly. Hmm. I think it was new reader friendly. I think it was more approachable, and uh, so I'm I'm going there. What about you? Uh, Heroes in Crisis. I enjoyed that very much. Um, go for the art, and 
stay for an intriguing hook because it's very cool. And I, I think it's it's a book that is going to evolve a lot more and has definitely has a lot more potential than Stranger Things. Not to not throw in a shade at your book or anything. I'm just no, no, I know you're not. I know you're not. It's books. a matter of opinion, man. It's a matter of opinion. But um, anyways, that does it for this week. So make sure every single week in our episode tweet, we have a poll with uh, the two comics we have. So we'd love to know what your pick of the week is. So make sure to go ahead and vote at earth 919 pod on twitter and uh thanks for everybody who voted last week on our rogue one poll and uh it yes. turns out rogue one was a good movie i was i was pleasantly surprised i was so yeah. happy to see that it actually did have a, a good following there so yeah. now i now they, I they came out it. in droves people came out in droves to vote for that one i think that that movie has a pretty passionate fan base yeah and yeah, i would agree hey more power to you i really like that movie and now i can watch it with pride exactly <laughs> uh so ian we've only got two more segments here and let's talk about what we've been into so ian, okay you want me to go first sure take it away all right so what have i been into recently still playing spider-man on the ps4 still really fun and i'm really enjoying that game a lot hmm. been playing Sounds pokemon like go uh more recently and there's a lot of events going on in pokemon go so that's been pretty cool uh that's really been it. I, I mean, my weekly polls, I got Rick and Morty, the new issue, in the box. Amazing Spider-Man's in the box. Outcast is still on hiatus till December. And I'm behind on Justice League Dark. But other than that, that's really all I've been into. Matt, what about you? I'm a new Netflix series. Uh, it's called Maniac. It stars uh, Jonah Hill, Emma Stone. Okay. Directed by Kerry Fukunaga. Uh, who was originally going to do it, then had to back out or backed out at the last second for creative differences. And he's got a whole litany of other credits, but it's a story of Jonah Hill. I forget his character's name. I've only like two episodes in, but he uh, is a schizophrenic and he goes into a drug trial uh, for an experimental drug that's supposed to essentially replace therapy. And Emma Stone is there. I don't really want to spoil how she gets there, but, um, it basically takes them on this crazy journey and it's really interesting it's i'm really still not sure if i'm on board with it yet but so far it's all right i don't i'm i like it so far i like everybody involved so that's what's keeping me going i'm hoping when i hit episode three tonight that it'll uh pick up speed yeah i'll have to check that out man uh, i like jonah hill like emma stone and concept sounds interesting so let's check that out is it a new show yeah it's a brand new show came out like hmm. last week Interesting. Um, so before we get into plugs, Ian, I think we should talk about uh, some potential giveaways we've got coming up, or do we want to save that for more as we draw closer to episode 100? Yeah, so I j the only thing I want to say is, obviously, we're on episode 97 right now, for anyone who's listening, and episode 100 is through away. So me and Matt are looking to potentially do some giveaways, and I, I don't have anything concrete right now, but I'm just going to say keep a lookout through this next week for something, and because um, we want to be able to celebrate with you guys and be able to give back to the people who have been loyal and been listening to us for a long time. So uh, yeah, just stay tuned for that, but uh, that's all I'm really going to say for right now. Okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, be on the lookout. Episode 100. Almost there. Please. Almost there. Uh, what's so, next week matt what's next week is it venom uh i don't know if i'm gonna see it before then uh, to be honest with you i'm not yeah. if you 
if you want to watch it and describe it to me i might okay. i might you know uh it might be uh maybe maybe we could have talent yeah you and talent can just wax on about it forever i'll i'll reach out to him we'll see if we can get talent to come uh-huh. for that next episode i know he's excited to talk about it and i know he would love to have a some microphone sort of platform to, yes. yeah in front of his face so <laughs> We'll see what we can do there. All right. Well, look forward to that, I guess. Um, anyways, Ian, where can people follow you online? Uh, you can follow me at Ian Sasquatch on Twitter and Bigfoot's Uncle Ian on Reddit and the PlayStation Network. What about you, Matt? You can follow me at Armchair Matt on Twitter or Matt is Armchair on Reddit. Contrary to popular belief, I have had the Armchair moniker longer than Dax Shepard has, which I recently found out that his Twitter handle is Armchair Xpod. What a douche. No, he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> um, I just want to be I, on the record that that was my idea before it was his, and I'm the first person to ever have thought that idea. So, you know, let's just get that out there. Uh, Ian, where can people follow the show? Uh, you can find the show at Earth919 on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com slash Earth919pod. You can email us and send us any comic book suggestions, and please, I'm I'm looking for those Black Canary uh, suggestions uh, or questions to Earth Nine One Nine Comic Podcast. That's Earth Nine One Nine C O M I C Podcast at Gmail dot com. Don't forget to vote for your comic book pick of the week. It will be pinned to our Twitter in the comment section uh, promoting this episode ninety seven. And you can listen to us on TuneIn, Podbean, Player FM, Stitcher, the Podknife Network, Podcast Attic, Google Play, and iTunes. Any reviews on iTunes are appreciated, and they do help our show grow. So thank you for listening, and please be sure to vote for our poll of the week, which is, are you excited for the Sony Marvel movie universe that we are going to be getting, whether we like it or not? Hmm. So go vote. I don't think I voted on that one. I'm going to go do that right now. Uh, Anyways, thanks for listening, and until next week, have a good week. Bye. Peace.